I've done 24 hour runs. I've, I've run London to Brighton. I've run Hadrian's Wall. And what I discovered, we, we always talked about hitting the wall, which was this mythical thing after about 20 miles of the marathon. I discovered in ultra running that it doesn't exist. Alan Hackett is an experienced runner, but in recent years, life has thrown him more than a few curveballs. It, it's actually carcinoma. It became more real because then they started talking about the options of having the full kidney removed or partial kidney removed or having robotic surgery or having keyhole surgery. A crippling back injury followed by a diagnosis of kidney cancer have left Alan in a wheelchair. But the lessons he learned through ultra running are holding strong. You just find the strength and the power to keep going. You know, I've I've run 100k with you know without stopping. That's I mean that's been probably my proudest yeah, um, well running done. achievement when I was up in Nottingham. And I just discovered that if you put your mind to it, you can achieve anything you want. You know, and I've just applied that to cancer. Welcome to this week's episode of Running Tales. And today I'm talking to Alan Hackett. Um, we're at the race course in Northampton on a sunny day. Runners are out, social distancing. I'm so jealous of people that can run. I, re I really miss the actual, you know, the, the, just the intensity of the, the experience. And to, to our listeners, you are currently in a wheelchair, but let's start, when did your running tail begin? Oh gosh, so I just turned 60 yesterday, uh, that's the 26th of Feb, and uh, I started way back, well before the first London Marathon, and uh, running was just in its infancy then, and there was a very inspirational book that a lot of your older listeners might remember, uh, it was called The Art of Running by Jim Fix, and uh, it was him that uh, inspired me. And I remember uh, wearing a pair of Dunlop Green Flash, which were the shoes that the tennis players used to wear. And uh, and, and I was so um, embarrassed at the time that I would only run where nobody could see me. Um, and I would do laps and laps around the back green uh, in uh, Scotland, uh, where I lived. And uh, I, I just gradually built it up and up. And then when I moved to um, Northampton for uh, my uh, teaching degree, um, I got in touch with uh, the local running club, Northampton Roadrunners. It was called the United Trades then. And um, back then we weren't just joggers or runners, we were marathon runners. Because um, everything we did was geared to marathons. and. The London Marathon, the Bolton Marathon, um, and you know the the distances we were doing then were just we would do twenty miles on the Sunday, just you know, just as a as a norm, um, and uh, you know so that was my um, baptism into running, and um, typical teacher, you know I can't I can't join anything without taking it over, and uh, I, I became the secretary of the the club. And then for 20 years, I was the uh, chair. Uh, I only gave it up um, last year because uh, because of my back injury. Um, I felt that I needed to let a fresh um, chair get in and uh, rejuvenate the, uh, the club. And it needed to be somebody that, that was passionate about running. 
Um, I mean, I've still got links with the club, but I'm the uh, the life uh, president, and um, you know, I, I I love the club and I, I love running, and I really missed it. And I I didn't realise how depressed that I was about not running. So if I can stop you there, so our listeners understand, can you tell us where why there was a change in your life suddenly and running was not in your life? Yes, I mean, I, I'm I'm pretty sure I can pinpoint it to a cross-country run about four years ago. Um, I was in Dunstable with the, the club and uh, I was running from grass onto concrete and all of a sudden it just felt like I was running with lead feet and um, I had to walk and, you know, after that, I would then have to walk more and more often and it it was just incredible pain in my back. Um, and, you know, after a long journey through the National Health Service and, and MRI scans, um, it, it was identified that my discs were deteriorating and I was, not only that, I was getting what was called stenosis of the spine, which is a, it's a horrible um, condition where the, the, the actual discs are then pushed into your, your nervous, your nervous system and the column of your spine and just gives incredible pain. So um, I had no option but to, to stop running. Um, and for a long time, I, I was in denial. I thought, well, I'll, if I rest, um, I'll get better. But you don't get better. No. Um, so um, inspired by um, Carol James, who I think you've... Um, interviewed on your podcasts, I was aware that um, you know wheelchair um, racing was a possibility, and I I I uh, hesitated for a, a long time because would I get a chair that was big enough for me? Because I'm I'm quite big at the moment. I don't mind admitting that. And uh, eventually, I, I took the plunge. I, I I got a chair, and again, just like when I first started running, I did it when nobody could see me. Um, I was really ashamed um, because I was quite slow. Um, and then, like, I mean, if, if you want to learn, you learn from um, other people. And I learned from Carol and you, Michelle, and your, your, you know, your blogs and your, your, your website. And I purchased um, what's called a freewheel, which is an attachment that you put onto the front of a, an ordinary wheelchair. And it gives you stability, gives you additional speed. I mean, I've I've tipped up three or four times. I've given myself quite a nasty um, back injury. So this, you know, gives you total security, total confidence. And I can't wait. Um, I can't wait to, once lockdown's over, to, you know, get... I was so looking forward to doing Silverstone. I really wanted to... Carol was the same. Oh, and I was devastated when it was when it was cancelled and uh, my son lives in Bristol and I, I know that I'm getting better because I'm now looking for races that are wheelchair friendly and and I saw one in Bristol, a bath that was actually, my son lives in Bristol and it was called the, the Two Tunnels and it was just, oh. Was, I know it. <laughs> oh, and I so wanted to do it and it was November and I thought, well, I got, I got the distance right and I was ready for it and then we went into lockdown. And I was oh, so devastated. And then I thought, I've got to do a challenge. And when my operation was cancelled, I thought, what can I do? And I'm 60 in February. Let's do something related to 60. 100K, 62 miles, so 60. Um, I was born on the 26th. So I thought, do it in 26 days. And originally, I was born in 1961, so I set myself a negative target of 19 minutes um, per kilometre on average 
but I worked it out because I finished it now, thank goodness. Um, and my average was 13 minutes. That shows you how fit I've yeah. become. I've really, really well. I've so I was so smashed, um, both the distance, and I was so afraid at the start. Would I, you know, would I get injured? Would I get called into um, hospital halfway through it? That was my biggest fear. I, I've actually started thinking, please don't call me in for the operation because I still wanted to finish. And then I thought I wanted to be inspirational as well, so I called it the the tortoise and the hare challenge. And I was very much the tortoise because I'm slow, <laughs> uh, but I was also aware that slow and steady wins the race. Oh. And the tortoise and the hare, that was the cancer. Can we go into? Uh, we've got a few dogs in the background <laughs> there. You can tell, lovely park, sunny day. <laughs> Keep it real on the podcast. You just mentioned cancer, and I want to touch on that subject because you're not just dealing with the issue with your discs here. You have got kidney cancer. Oh, and it, it was devastating when when I first was diagnosed because it, it was just surreal. When was you diagnosed with uh, it? Eight, 18 months ago now. And uh, initially, talk about stiff upper lip, the, the consultant said, you have a mass in your kidney. And you thought, oh, that sounded quite benign. Um, and it wasn't until maybe a, a year had gone by when the actual said, no, it's, it, it's actually carcinoma. And at that point, it became more real because then they started talking about the options of having the full kidney removed or partial kidney removed or having robotic surgery or having keyhole surgery. And, and that was quite a wake-up call for me. So that's when I thought, you know, I really need to, uh, you know, change my, my whole attitude to life and adopt a really positive mental attitude and, and, and just adopt new things. So my wife's been great with me. We've gone on a healthy diet. I've, I've cut down on, well, I've, I've cut down on virtually everything. Obviously, since I had the cancer diagnosis, I've drunk no alcohol which was hard yesterday on my birthday. Uh, no no sweets, no crisps, no junk foods. Um, and smaller portions, that's important. Only eat when I'm hungry. Lots of water for my kidney. And um, since I've done the challenge, I, I've lost 18 pounds. And that, I, I, I regard that as just a, 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 a positive because it's, it's going to help me both um with the obviously with the anesthetic when i you know have the operation but the recovery afterwards you said to me earlier about the size of the um cancer at the moment and how you're you're quite upbeat can you explain to the listeners where you're at at the moment kidney cancer is one of those ones that if it's within the actual kidney itself then they, they can actually do something with it um you you can cope with one kidney so they can actually do either a partial or a full nephrectomy, which is to remove the cancer with that part of your kidney. So uh, as long as it's under a seven centimetre size and mine's is five, then um, they will remove that portion of the kidney. And then once I recover, then fingers crossed, um, I should make a full recovery. I, I just have to say, I'm absolutely amazed. Like, you're going through all this, and like it, it seems like it's one thing after another in a short time scale. But you're so upbeat. I've always been like that. And, uh, I, I, I mean, I've been a teacher for uh, 30 years, and I, I just I think that, you know, you, you've got to have a positive mental attitude. You've got to have goals uh, to set yourself. And I always did as a runner. 
and um, I've always done uh, charity events and um, you know I've, I've regularly done things for Great Ormond Street and uh, children with cancer um, but because uh, Macmillan had been so good that I, I thought you know I'm gonna do this for other cancer sufferers because during lockdown it, it has been very lonely and very isolating and it's been difficult to talk to my children and my wife about how I feel but talking to um, you know people on the phone from Macmillan you know that's been a great help. That's brilliant. So at least you've had some support. But talking about the lockdown itself, it's been a year. So you've had a year of dealing with the wheelchair, dealing with the cancer, you know, your health is, and you're battling your weight. You've got so many battles. What what really does keep you going? It's just, it's really hard to say. I I mean, I remember because I, um, I, I always attribute a lot of things back to when I was a, an ultra runner because after a few years of running marathons, decided that wasn't good enough for me. So um, I've done 24-hour runs. I've, I've run London to Brighton. I've run Hadrian's Wall. And and what I discovered, we, we always talked about hitting the wall, which was this mythical thing after about 20 miles of the marathon. I discovered in ultra running that it doesn't exist and that, that your energy comes in cycles and that um, when you hit that first one at 20, you recycle from somewhere inside and, and you, you just find the strength and the power to keep going. And, you know, I've, I've run 100K, with, you know, without stopping. That's, I mean, that's been probably my proudest yeah. um, well running done. achievement when I was up in Nottingham. I did that in about 10 hours. And um, and I just discovered that, you know, if you put your mind to it, and that's the key, if you put your mind to it, you can achieve anything you want. You know, and I've just applied that to cancer and I've applied it to my fitness and I've applied it. I mean, this wheelchair, I mean, as I say, um, seeing you going around the race course in an hour made me determined that I was I was just gonna I was going to I mean if you know I just thought well if if you can do it and Carol can do it by God I'm gonna I'm gonna get there. <laughs> For those that don't know, if you check my YouTube of um, Step Forward Lewis, Carol challenged me to go around the race course park run in Northampton and do the whole route in a wheelchair, and I did it in one hour seven minutes. But boy, was it tough! It really was tough so i know the challenges you're facing but you have my total admiration though for that and you know you you're, i think you're a kindred spirit I, i've looked at all the, the the mad things that you and your you know your friends do and i you know it's one of those things that you know i've because i've been i'm on a kind of limbo here with waiting for the operation and knowing that i'm going to be then out of circulation while i get you know recover i'm really desperate to you know join in with community things and you know, join with some of the things that you and, you know, your, your colleagues do and things that Macmillan are doing. I'd, I'd really love to, you know, get involved with Macmillan in some way because um, I know that in Northampton, you know, my experience is that, you know, there's a gap. You know, there, there is a gap there because when I was promoting my own event, there was nobody in Northampton I could turn to um, and nobody to share. Um, the experiences with so you know when I finished yesterday I, I kind of finished it you know alone um, which I think was a, was a shame um, so you know having somebody there you know giving you that encouragement I think 
would be would be useful right listeners and those in northampton you've heard this here where we're weak and we need to sort this out and we need to support alan here so let's get together and sort something out for him round this off alan what was your favorite race running london to brighton and i'll tell you why um I was, I, it was done under the auspices of the old uh, Amateur Athletic Association, which was made up of wing commanders and, you know, retired colonels at that time. And uh, you, had to do a, um, you had to do a qualifying time. And that was when I first knew I could do um, ultra runs because they said you, you had to run 30 miles in under four hours. And I, I did this race down in Coolston and I did it in three hours 50. And I honestly... It was the feeling was amazing, and then when I did the the London to Brighton, the cutoff point was eight hours fifteen. I got to about seven and a half hours, and about five miles to go, and this wing commander said, "Oh, you're gonna have to pull out. You're never gonna make it." And I said, oh, "Don't be ridiculous." And when I got to the seafront, eight hours, you know, eight hours six minutes, I'd smashed it by nine minutes, and. It, it was so wow. low, it was so low key as well. You know, there literally was like three people there saying, "Well done," and I said, "Well, I've just run from Big Ben um, and got here, and uh, all you get is a certificate, which I've still got. You don't even get a medal." <laughs> but you know, now that that race has been cancelled, because you can do it um, cross country now, but you can't actually run on the roads down the A23. Nobody can take that away from me. Yeah. Uh, and I was running with the ultra elite at that time and it was great i mean on the train going down i was talking to a guy that was running ultra runs like that in five and a half hours and we were like we were like kindred spirits because we were both doing ultra runs it was it was amazing and just that i missed that camaraderie of you know the the, the spirit and the adventure and i always tried to share that with the runners in my club as well and always wanted it to be an inspirational social running club rather a bit like the things that you do, you know, yeah. to inspire people. Yeah, well, Northampton Roadrunners, they they are one of your biggest supporters. They're, you're all over their Facebook and everyone always goes on the comments and that. So you you have got a large running support. Oh, yeah. And uh, I mean, obviously, um, when I um, when I was the chair, um, I always made it a point that any new, bit, new people that came, I would run with them and I would make sure that nobody got left behind and... Um, no matter how slow you were, you know, I, I would be with you. And I I think one of my proudest moments was when we, we had three um, ladies who joined us who wanted to do the Great North Run, who had never run three miles. And then I, I, I eventually got all three of them round the Great North and I ran with one of them the whole way. And coming up that last bit on the seafront, she was crying. And and it's just, just that feeling of, you know, a journey that you know we got there you know those are the kind of memories that and i think that's why there is a strong feeling of you know let's say um support for me would you say this is your opportunity as well to encourage wheelchair racing in northampton road runners like obviously i encourage it with step forward lewis i've got carol but the wheelchair community it's poor in getting them into sport I, I I really hope so, and uh, I hope that once I've had my operation, that um, Carl and I will be able to line up at races like Silverstone, and I'm looking forward to going over to Corby and uh, joining them on a Sunday, and and I I, I want to be able to line up with my my colleagues 
uh, from the running club at races where you know it is flat enough for me to take part and to hopefully then encourage and inspire younger people in wheelchairs because as I say as a as a teacher I've got the organizational skills to be able to you know to try and and, and it may be something that you know who knows um, it may be something that, that I, I take up as a challenge. So to end this podcast, what would you say to anyone who's thinking of starting running or in a situation like you where life makes a dramatic change and you you know you, you do end up in a wheelchair? What's your words to them? Never never give up. Set yourself goals and then don't be worried if there are any setbacks because you know the next day you know it, it, you'll be able to then bounce back you you need that resilience you need straw a strong sense of your own well-being and a sense of who you are so um something like running you know eventually the the the, the rewards of it will outweigh any feelings of anxiety or pain at the start and we're we're talking today on a beautiful sunny day during my challenge I, I was out in minus six degrees wind chill and and this is the payback this is the payback you you know you get out what you put in and the only person you're competing with is yourself that's the important thing